0: welcome to indisputable I'm Sharon Reed and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie the good doctor has this Monday off uh, but we do have a special guest co-host with us Ben glebe rebel HQ extraordinaire comedian too uh, we were just talking about the beards right before we came on and he reminded me to make sure I shaved mine off I did took care of that yesterday um
1: so welcome I like to the you show. both ways I yeah. like you both ways very much and you said that having a beard gets food caught in your, in, your, in your face, and I went and got a bite of peanut butter. And I got really self-conscious, and I did get some in there. So I got rid of it, don't worry.
0: All right, well, now that we've cleared that up, what do you say we jump right into it, Ben? Uh, we will sure. begin with an old case that um, we've never grown tired of, always wanting more on. The cop who killed Breonna Taylor has crashed his squad car. Miles Cosgrove, the former Louisiana police officer who was fired for a fatally shooting. Breonna Taylor in a botched 2020 police raid hired earlier this year as sheriff's deputy in Carroll County, rammed a resident's truck with his cruiser Monday and then pointed a gun at the owner and several bystanders. That, according to witnesses, Monday's incident began when truck driver Charles White of Owington said he saw a trailer he previously reported stolen, being pulled down a road behind a silver or blue pickup. He reported Sighting to the Carroll County Sheriff's Office. Meanwhile, Alexis Mobley, who was a passenger in Short's truck, and Short's sister, Jessie called 911 to report a man was following them, waving a handgun out the window, and that he had fired at them. White said in an interview Wednesday, he was waving a cell phone, not a gun, and followed them to the trailer park where they all live. This is from the Louisville Courier Journal, these details. A witness told the Courier Journal that Cosgrove barreled into Happy Hollow Private Resort Park trailer park at a high rate of speed without his emergency lights on. Then, struck William Joshua Short's pickup truck with such force, sent the vehicle flying into a building, breaking off two cinder blocks. Cosgrove's cruiser then struck another car damaging its rear end. This again, according to witnesses, Now, Carroll County Sheriff Ryan Gosser, who did not respond Tuesday to any of the requests for comment on this, said Friday he disputes most of the witness accounts. In an email, Gosser said, quote, evidence shows that Cosgrove was not going at a high rate of speed when he drove into the trailer park and that had his blue lights activated. He also said Cosgrove has been a good deputy. And has represented this office professionally. Cosgrove, who was hired in April, did not immediately respond to a message left at the Carroll County Sheriff's Office. A short was charged with wanton endangerment of a police officer along with fleeing and evading police. Even though witnesses said he made no attempt to get away either in his truck or on foot. Jackie McCormack, who was visiting his niece at the Happy Hallow in Worthville. Said the charges were unjustified. He said Cosgrove, not short, was the aggressor. He hit him pretty hard. Cormack said he just straight rammed him. Josh Short could have been killed, said Alexis Mobley, who was a passenger in Short's truck. So none of this seems to add up. Um, if you just go with law enforcement's account of this, Ben, I wonder what your take is on all of it, because some people have unfortunate things happen to them. You know, just these quinky dinks just happen sometimes. Other people, trouble seems to follow them because maybe they're the trouble. What say you?
1: Uh, Those are the two options. And I'm one who believes in billions of random coincidences (laughs) happening over and over to the same people. You know, I always love when law enforcement says we dispute all the eyewitness accounts. Anybody who's aware of crowd ability to know answers anybody's ever watched who wants to be a millionaire is very aware that when you turn to the crowd you always get that question right crowds almost always know what's going on individually people can be very stupid collectively people generally cobble together some reasonable semblance of the truth and i think that uh it's just ridiculous to me that a man who killed Brianna Taylor shooting blindly into her apartment, shooting 16 times, killing an innocent young woman, fired from that police department. And the move of any other police department, other than ostracizing the person from law enforcement was, that's our guy. That's who we got to bring on board. Are they where there's other careers? Is he aware there's other careers? How much do you want to be able to wave that gun around Go get another job. That's my thoughts on that.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. The carnival's in town in Atlanta, okay? I'm (laughs) sure they need some temporary help. I mean, there's lots of people who go to the carnival. Sometimes you need extra security, extra, and perhaps someone to pop the popcorn. But I couldn't. Maybe agree he's good more. at guessing
1: people's weight. He maybe he's great at guessing people's weight. Maybe he's good at sitting on a stick and having balls thrown at another stick and then falling into water. That's yeah. a skill a lot of people don't have. But I bet Cosgrove would be great at it.
0: I think so too. And denying little children those furry stuffed animals because you aren't going to win anyway. It's just sty candy for you. But there is definitely crooked a problem. Crooked cops, crooked rims. There it is. When these officers, I mean, it takes a lot to get fired. It takes a lot, I think we can agree, to get fired from a police department. And if you're allowed to just kind of hopscotch over to the next county and sign up there, keep a pension, why not? But you're right, this thing where you cannot speak to the media, you can't issue a statement, not to TYT, not to anyone, our indisputable staff, but you just know that these witnesses all had different layers of details. So they, they came to the same conclusion, but they all offered different layers of detail. I thought Mr. Short was going to be killed. He was the aggressor. Cinder blocks went flying. They would have to be pretty slick and pretty fast with their devious tails. And I don't see that here. I'll give you the last word.
1: Yeah, I think that This is what you get when you employ people of questionable character to phrase it incredibly generously at your police force. It would seem that unless there's no other people in this county, it would seem you might not even want the PR nightmare of bringing on board somebody who brings such baggage that he's so known by the community when he rams a car that sends it flying runs out of the car with his gun waving in the air, everybody's like, oh, that's the murderer, and shout murderer at him. Yeah. Maybe look elsewhere.
0: Yeah. But beyond reproach, not working for the people per se. Not putting the people, the county's reputation first and foremost. This one officer must be a specialist. I I, I have in mind what this officer is a specialist at. And I don't think it's anyone who would want to aspire to that, except others of that
2: ilk. Leonard Cures, body cam, footage, release, here it is.
3: Sir, tickets in the state of Georgia are criminal offenses. I don't have a ticket in Georgia. You do now? Why? You passed me doing so 100 miles an hour. Offense and what, am I going Hands behind your back. Yes, you are going to jail. Hands behind your back. Put your hands behind your back. Yeah, bitch. Yeah, bitch. (laughs) Stay down. Stay down. Stay down. Camden, the shot's fired. Shots fired, Camden. Stay down. Do not get up. Stay down. Stay down.
4: I want to now show you the interaction before that encounter.
3: Step out. Step out. Get out. Get out. Put your hands back here. I ain't doing Put your damn hands back here. Dude. Who are you? Staff Sergeant Lawrence, Sheriff's Office. My name is Al Wade. I don't care. Step to the rear of this vehicle. In the name of who? In the name of the In law of the state of Georgia. Step back here. Now you're getting tased. I'm going. Watch me now. Put your hands on the back of that truck. Do you see that? Put your hands on the back of that truck. The back of the truck. Both hands. Turn around. <that's> 34 Camden, send me another unit. One non-compliant. Your name is Officer Who? Staff Sergeant Aldridge with the Camden County Sheriff's Office. Who county? Camden County. Put your hand behind your back. Do I have a do I have a warrant? Wait, wait, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. no. Excuse me. Excuse me. Either put your hands behind your back because you're getting tased. I'm Fly. telling you that right Fly. now. Why am I getting tagged? Because you are under arrest for speeding and reckless driving. I'm not driving, nobody was hurt, how was I speeding? You passed me doing 100 miles an hour. Okay, so that's a speeding ticket, right? Sir, tickets in the state of Georgia are criminal offenses. I don't have a ticket in Georgia. You do now? Why? You passed me doing I'm 100 a miles an hour. Offense and what? Am I going Hands down? behind your back. Yes, you are going no. to jail. Hands behind your back.
4: Put up the picture a mask. I will give you the background and the foreground. Dash cam and body cam footage of the Camden County, Georgia Sheriff's Deputy, who fatally shot 53 year old Leonard Cure at point blank range during a traffic stop, was released by the sheriff's office yesterday. The footage shows Mr. Cure, who had been wrongfully imprisoned for 16 years of his life, wrongfully imprisoned for 16 years of his life. Grabbed the officer by the neck, forcing his head backward when the two entered into a scuffle right after the deputy tased him. The family of Mr. Cure, who reviewed the footage before its release, suspect that Mr. Cure resisted arrest because of psychological trauma from being wrongfully imprisoned for 16 years of his natural life. He was imprisoned in, in Florida for An armed robbery that he never committed. Per the AP, Michael Cure said of his slain brother, "Quote: I believe there were possibly some mental issues with my brother. The officer just triggered him. The officer just triggered him. Undoubtedly triggered him. It was excitement met with excitement. I want you to understand the wrongful conviction that took place with Mister Cure." He was wrongfully convicted of armed robbery in 2004. It changed him. It's called atmospheric psychological trauma. He was wrongfully convicted in 2004. He was sentenced to life in prison for their wrongful conviction in the state of Florida. But authorities reviewed his case. In 2020, after the authorities reviewed his case, they concluded he never committed that crime. He was an innocent man. He was wrongfully convicted. He was released three years ago. Cure's mother and brothers said he lived in constant fear of being arrested. And incarcerated wrongfully again. When Mr. Cure was wrongfully imprisoned, The Innocence Project of Florida persuaded a case. A case review unit of the Broward County Prosecutor's Office to look into the case. That unit examined an ATM receipt and other evidence that Cure was miles away from the robbery. It was no way possible for him to commit it. A judge looked at that same evidence, agreed, and vacated the conviction. Camden County Sheriff Jim Proctor released footage. Two days after the incident occurred Monday morning, the sheriff has placed a deputy whose name has not been released on administrative leave during their review by the GBI, which is customary for Georgia. for Law enforcement involved shootings. What was the reason for the traffic stop? Uh, The deputy, who you could tell is a white male, pulled over Mr. Cure because Cure's pickup or pickup truck on suspicion of driving recklessly. This was on Interstate 95, a few miles north of the Georgia Florida line. Mr. Cure had been visiting his mother in Florida and was returning To a home he bought recently in metro Atlanta. Camden is located right, is in Georgia, but located right on the border of Florida. So when you come north in Florida, you go to Camden, you go up to middle Georgia, then you hit Atlanta. Okay, it's a long drive. He was making that drive. Let's put him up. The GBI will send findings to the Brunswick Judicial Circuit DA, Keith Higgins, who will determine whether to seek charges. Okay, um, Higgins reportedly met with Cure's family after the video was released, but the prosecutor's spokeswoman said he would not make a final decision until the bureau concludes its investigation. After viewing the video, Cure's relatives believed shooting him was unnecessary and civil rights attorney Ben Prompt, who was representing the family, blamed the deputy for acting aggressively from the start, never attempting to de-escalate as his training requires. Seth Miller is the director of the Innocence Project of Florida. Who knew Mr. Cure said Wednesday, quote, he is someone that was failed by the system once, and he was he has again been failed by the system. He's been twice taken away from his family. Miller said that for so many of his clients, including Mr. Cure, the biggest fear is that an officer will knock on their door or stop them while they're driving without cause for something they did not do, send them back right where they worked so hard to get out of. I can only imagine what must have been, that must have been what he was thinking during this traffic stop, Miller said. You know Miller is right. You know he's right. Regardless of what you think about the deputy's action, you know what this man just said is correct. You know what the family said is correct. If somebody took away your freedom, Illegally, 16 years. And the authorities say, oops, my bad. You get out. And then you are pulled over by someone in that same uniform. I'm providing context because Mr. Cure deserves it. He's dead. All right? Mr. Cure is dead. He's
5: not coming back. But his full story deserves to be on the record. Jordan thoughts is this idea in this country that our judicial system is fair and impartial and cautious and careful. And that is what people are taught. That's what we are supposed to assume. But as this demonstrates, especially if you are black in this country, it is reckless. It is dangerous. It is racist. It is sloppy. And knowing that and seeing that and him having lived that experience, being wrongfully accused and imprisoned for 16 years of his life, having a large portion of his life and freedom stolen from him. You are not surprised when you see him react that way, because why should he believe that a police officer who immediately acts aggressive toward him for a speeding ticket, a potential speeding ticket, Why would he believe that this would be anything different than the racist, sloppy, and reckless judicial system he has come to experience? Yeah. I get it. I I feel terrible for his family, but this is the quintessential American judicial and police experience for far too many people in this country.
2: first casualty of war is truth. You see,
4: we contextualize this argument of Israeli and Palestinian dynamics based upon two factions. When the reality is there's an originating circumstance that gets eliminated from the argument, not even part of the discussion. Now, I do believe Cenk is correct on the narrative dynamic associated with this, but historical context is required. 1917 is your historical context. Because in 1917, something happened that was unprecedented. The European world decided, well, to back a 67-word document called the Balfour Declaration. Put up, Mr. Balfour. Mr. Balfour and also a man named Lionel Walter Rothschild at the center of the debate. They get left out of this. I'm about to put these gentlemen squarely where they belong. The Balfour Declaration, which resulted in a significant upheaval in the lives of Palestinians was issued on November 2nd, 1917. The declaration aimed to establish a Jewish state in Palestine into a reality when Britain publicly pledged to establish a national home for the Jewish people there. The pledge is generally viewed as one of the main catalysts of the Nakba. The ethnic cleansing of Palestine in 1948 and the conflict that ensued. It is regarded as one of the most controversial and contested documents in the modern history of the world and has puzzled historians for decades. The Balfour Declaration which means promise in Arabic all right was a public pledge by Britain in 1917 declaring its aim to establish a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine that is a fact the statement came in the form of a letter from Britain's then foreign secretary Arthur Balfour addressed To Lionel W. Rothschild. It was made during World War I. This was 1914 to 1918, and was included in the terms of the British Mandate for Palestine after the dissolution of the Ottoman Empire. The so called Mandate system set up by the Allied powers was a thinly veiled form of colonization and occupation. They colonized, forced, colonization the system transferred rule from the territories that were previously controlled by the powers defeated in the war germany austria hungary the ottoman empire and bulgaria to the victors the declared aim of the mandate system was to allow the winners to administer the newly emergent states until they could be independent that was the first proclamation the document was controversial for multiple reasons number 1 it was, in the words of the late Palestinian American academic Edward Said, made by European power about a non European territory and a flat disregard of both the presence and the wishes of the native majority resident in that territory. In essence, the Balfour Declaration promised Jews a land where the natives made up more than 90% of the population. There's much more history connected to that. Which also includes how Palestinians attempting to boycott this invasion eventually economically withdrew from the ecosystem of economy of Jewish made things, Jewish grown food. The British came in and did a mass incarceration, arrested them. By the thousands, when they enacted these, well, policies to create more equity in their system. And then on the other side of that, you have this force that is enforcing their rule of law. There's no diplomacy here. There's no opportunity to engage thoughtfully. There's our way or no way. So when we talk about this conflict, understand war is never necessary. War is here because of the permeation of evil that exists inside of us as human beings. That's the reason it's here. So don't accept their framework that it is necessary. War is not a necessary reality of our living. It is a reality that is before us, but it is not a necessary one. So if we ever argue only inside of the framework of war, we've already lost the battle. Because outside of that, we are able to actually live peacefully. There are no no winners in war. Why do you think the majority of the people of Israel are against war? Why do you think the majority of the people of Israel are against Netanyahu? So when you stand for the Israelis, stand for the ones that wake up every morning going to work, making money to pay a mortgage, to put food on the table. Because the vast majority of them are against the leadership that presently states that they speak for everybody. So I stand with Israel for real. I stand with Palestinians for real. I stand with humanity for real. All right, Jordan, thoughts here.
5: What we're seeing in Gaza is more often than not, especially in Western press, the complete removal of the humanity in the situation it is talked about in broad strokes it's talking it's talked about in abstract terms and people civilians who are killed are reduced to statistics and when there is a push for a ceasefire it's met with including some democratic members of congress opposition rebuttal you had john fetterman last night Tweet out that this is not the time to call for a ceasefire. Thousands of people in Gaza have already died. Thousands, many of whom, if not the majority of whom, had nothing to do with this to begin with. And you provided this historical context for this conflict, which is important and almost always lacking in most analysis of the current situation. But any, and you mentioned economic boycotts, you know, it is a crime. It is illegal in over a dozen states in the US to participate in economic boycotts of Israel. One of the most peaceful ways to demonstrate your your stance or take a stand on something, no one gets hurt. You can't do that in many states in this country. The UN just yesterday tried to pass a resolution calling for a pause to allow in humanitarian aid. in the United States using its veto power as one of five permanent members of the UN Security Council vetoed it. Had they not done that, it would have passed. And it's moments like this that makes people feel really frustrated and powerless because nobody wants to see suffering on, on either side. Obviously, all any rational person who sees this is not celebrating The death of innocent civilians. But when you have a superpower like the United States stepping in to block a UN proposal, to call for a pause so we can get humanitarian aid in, it shows you what their motive really is. And this didn't start with Hamas's attack on Israel a week and a half ago, it did not start there. And if that is the starting point for any conversation, it's not worth your time. So I I implore people, to educate yourselves, to consume reporting and analysis and historical context on this conflict, because it's everyone will be better off. And centering in all of this, a push for the humanitarian cause for a ceasefire. I set up a site, you can go to ceasefiretoday.com. You can in 30 seconds email your representative and your senators. And there's also a call script on that website, That allows you to click one button, be connected to the Capitol switchboard, and you can call your representative and senators and ask them to support a ceasefire in Gaza so that no more innocent people get killed.
4: So very well said. And when America made that decision to utilize the awesome power of veto, which is insane, to allow aid to come to civilians, But we say from the microphone, we want innocent life protected. Literally, the president just said this. But then we vote contrary to their proclamation. This is supposed to be a representative form of government. The vast majority of people in America are for that action, the ceasefire, making sure people, innocent folk, get aid that they need. How how are we a representative form of government when our representatives are adversarial and antithetical to our
2: form of government. A landlord decides to fatally stab
4: a mother and a child. The child actually died. Let's put it up for mass. You're looking at. A 71-year-old who goes by the name of Joseph Zuba. This was in Will County, Illinois. Stabbed a mother, also stabbed her son, who was only six years of age. Killing the child Saturday morning, according to the autopsy, a military style knife with a seven inch serrated blade was used to stab the child 26 times. The senseless and cowardly act of violence was motivated due to the victims being Muslim and because of the war between Israel and Hamas. Let's put up the child. The father of this six year old, Wadia El Oyumi released this photo of the child who celebrated his birthday a few weeks ago. Reports also stated Wadia and his mother were are Palestinian. Let me give you some details of this attack. Authorities said that the mother, identified by civil rights organization Care Chicago as Anan Shaheen, called 911 on Saturday to say that her landlord had attacked her with a knife. Her landlord attacked her with a knife. According to deputies, she said she ran into the bathroom and continued to fight him off as she dialed 911. Quote, according to written text messages reportedly sent to the father of the child by the mother from the hospital, as she shared with Care Chicago, The landlord, who had been angry with what he was seeing in the news, knocked on their door. And when she opened, he tried to choke her, and proceeded to attack her with a knife, yelling, "You Muslim must die." End quote. When she ran into the bathroom to call nine one one, she came out to find that he had. Stabbed her six-year-old son to death. Deputy said they arrived at the home to find Zuba sitting up upright on the ground near the driveway of the home. They took him to the hospital because of a laceration on his forehead. Law enforcement said they found the woman and the child in the residence suffering from stab wounds to their chest, torso, and upper extremities. Authorities said the woman was in serious condition from more than a dozen stab wounds to her body. She is expected to survive. The child was taken to the hospital in a critical condition and died. The organization said that mother and son had lived on the ground floor of the home for two years, no previous issues, no problems prior with the landlord. After his release from the hospital, the landlord allegedly told investigators nothing about the attack. But authorities said they were able to find enough information from interviews and other evidence to charge him with first-degree murder, attempted first-degree murder, aggravated batter with a deadly weapon, and two counts of a hate crime. The Civil Rights Organization says that lopsided statements from officials and media coverage created the atmosphere in which the crime happened. This unthinkable, senseless crime did not happen. In a vacuum, said the executive director, Ahmed Rahab. Now, um, that is an accurate statement. Let me show how accurate that statement is. Do you remember during our so-called war on terrorism? Remember that? Remember the American government said that people were being radicalized by way of what? By way of propaganda videos, remember that? And there was this massive crackdown on all of these videos that could be accessed through media platforms, social media platforms right here in America. Because according to the American government, these videos were radicalizing terrorists. Now that is considered to be a fundamental connection between what a person consumes by way of media. And what a person does by way of action. So the government, the American government can make that conclusion back then. Why would we
6: dismiss that conclusion today?
4: All right, damn shame. Um, David thoughts.
6: My heart goes out to this um, family in Chicago. Um, There's just, there's no, there's no words, it's tragic. Anybody who could bring a knife, never mind to an adult, but to a six year old child. There's something just so horrific and terribly wrong about that. Um, And I think one of the reasons that people have gotten so infuriated, obviously, in watching these images out of Israel and Gaza, is that when you see somebody go in and hand to hand, literally, you know, rape and pillage with their own hands and their own knives, sure, that causes a reaction. But what this landlord did in Chicago is just as evil and just as awful. And there's no no justifying it. Um, If somebody can't handle... Watching the news and something in the news makes them snap. That person should be put away to begin with. They shouldn't have access to the news or to television or whatnot. And and the sad thing is, Doctor Rashad, I think I think Doctor Richie, I think there's I think there's a lot of people in our midst who are walking around every day who are maybe like this close to exploding or to doing something violent. And it's just a matter of well, what's the trigger that it's going to be? What is going to resonate with them and cause them to do something that is so barbaric? And I just, I just fear for uh, for all of our fellow citizens who have to deal with people who are like that, who are that close uh, to exploding.
2: So sad, so sad.
0: Welcome back to Indisputable. I am Sharon Reed, and for Doctor Rashad Ritchie on this day, Ben Glebe is our special guest co-host, Rebel HQ extraordinaire comedian. Um, and you know what they say, Ben. When you are successful at something, we'll keep going and expand it. And that's really what we're seeing with your specials. And I know another one's in the works just in time.
1: This is very true, Sharon. And normally, if those of you have been watching the show today, I'm a lot funnier in my comedy career than I have (laughs) appeared on air during this very intense news cycle. If you'd like to see the funny side, I do invite all of you you to take a break, a little respite from the news, and check out my fourth annual Halloween live worldwide virtual show, the fourth annual Gleeb Off the Top Halloween Spectacular. Uh, you can come with your cameras on, mic on, and join my very interactive, very crazy show. Get tickets at nowherecomedy.com. If you get them now, they are still very reasonably priced, and you can join us for a weird visit into Madtown. And if you want any more of my comedy, stand up comedy videos, you can watch my special, The Mad King, on YouTube now, or um, you can follow me at Ben Glebe on Instagram or TikTok, where I'm posting three stand up videos a week, as well as lots of political commentary. So do all them things. I have a quick
0: question because I know that sometimes people get rowdy. You know, when you're on stage as a comedian, I'm sure people have gotten rowdy with you and you have to instantly clap back. You can't lose control. But has anyone been kicked out of a virtual? Special. Has anyone been escorted out, if you
1: will? We have not really had to remove very many people. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> the CEO of Nowhere Comedy. I helped reinvent live touring during the pandemic and created the world's first and best virtual venue, which is Nowhere Comedy. Um, and over our 700 shows, maybe we've kicked out like a tiny handful of people. We've mm-hmm. had to mute a lot of people, that's for sure, and send them some, had our show manager send them some messages, no doubt. But, um, my shows, very thankfully, tend to attract very kind, very open-minded, open-hearted people, and we've never had to kick anybody out of any of my personal yeah. uh, virtual shows at all. It's been pretty cool. It's a really cool community okay. of mad ones, which are what my, my uh, fans are known as, because the world's all crazy. So let's go mad together in a way that we choose and a way that we control. And that's why my special is called The Mad King.
0: Well, we love it. And I, I hopefully everyone showed up fully clothed, when the camera's on. That no. I that, thought maybe no, that, no, no, no. People oh, have definitely been oh showing up
1: naked. No, that's that's been Oh happening.
0: my. And that's, that's not necessarily idea. your ticket out not of there. Idea. It's okay. All
1: right. Well, no, we'll no, just we are we, we, depending. We encourage it sometimes, you know. <laughs> like use discretion, be a little discreet right. about it. But uh you do you. Be yourself.
0: It's fun. I might have to join this. Please. <laughs> I may have to. More exciting than I would have had. Right. <laughs> No, I think I'll go clean shaven for this one. It's your special, after all. A few comments from our extraordinary uh, TYT members about the cop who killed Breonna Taylor crashing the squad car. Remember the one that the sheriff said that all the witnesses don't count. Wasn't speeding. Ginny B says police allowing bad police to continue to be bad police is why people don't trust the police. I think all that can fit on a t-shirt. I think you're exactly right. Uh, Also, YouTube. David Morris says, God tugged on his steering wheel. Same case. Shiva Mahadev, power is an inebriant. Yes, a lot of people who need rehab for all that they've taken in. Uh, Let's see. One more for you. Ashfair Blood 007. We take a doctor's license away from malpractice, even if it wasn't fully their fault. We need to do that for cops. That's something to think about, perhaps. Just something to think about. You can't let cops run around with a badge, just not face any consequence. After all, you and I, I hope face consequence. And maybe someone's gonna face it now. I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on him for having a barbecue on a In- Sunday. You feel free. back off. I'm gonna tell them an African American man threatening my life. Uh-huh.
3: The light center exit, the convention center exit, every mother exit. You, p- you,
2: you, yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: I'm not at the 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 in the I
5: don't know where to start.
0: <laughs> I really don't know where to start. The incident occurred in Portland, Oregon. I guess that's a good place to begin. Happened in June during the Portland Rose Festival's grand floral parade. No injuries were reported in this one during that scare. And the parade was held as planned. He, though, was arrested by authorities and currently is incarcerated in in jail. Sydney Meacham faces nearly 40 Criminal charges, including multiple counts of reckless driving, hit and run, property damage, as well as about two dozen traffic violations. Been in and out of jail for years over being a child predator. Look at that face. Very telling. Uh, Where do we start with this one? Again, registered as a sex offender dating back to 1999. Ben, where, where do we start unpacking this one?
1: Oh, well, listen, not everyone likes a parade. I get that. Some people find parades to be annoying. But here's an option. Don't attend the parade. You don't need to drive your car angrily through the parade. And that's just a piece of advice I've learned from my life as a non-parade driving through American yeah. citizen. Um, you might want to do it. You might think parades are stupid. I don't like floats. I don't like marching bands. Again, vote with your feet, not with your car. But you see the man's face, angry, angry dude. Oh, child predator background. You can't be surprised looking at the guy. Look, we can all get angry at times, but the man's demeanor just seems unable to sort of exist in reality or in a world where you should be allowed behind a vehicle. We might need to add some sort of like anger tests to the DMV driving test to see, sure, you know the rules and you can contain yourself through a 20-minute drive out on the roads with an instructor, but then go through some kind of a haunted horror house gauntlet when you get back to the DMV and see how people react. Or better yet, just film them surreptitiously in line waiting Mm. at the DMV. And if the ones who get super hot under the collar and start cursing under their breath, you don't issue a license to that guy.
0: Yeah, because they've already got the signs up, right? You're under surveillance. And uh, you agree to that just by entering the door, right? It's right by the sign that says no shoes, no shirt, no service. And perhaps if when they analyze the footage, Ben, if they see that foam right at the end of the mouth there in the corners, that's perhaps the first red flag that says you've got to take a closer look. Yes, foaming
1: at the mouth is always a great indication of somebody who's not stable enough to be in charge of a vehicle that could harm people. Look for the mouth foam. Look for the rage boiling through the chest. Look at the ability to move Mm. each pectoral individually Mm. and Mm. think that's some sort of a marketable job skill or life skill. And again, I'm saying this as a man who himself dislikes parades.
0: Yeah, I don't like them either. Never did, not as a child, not as an adult, with a child.
1: Thank you. you. Thank you for speaking out.
0: I didn't know where to begin. That's very informative and what you've given us really outline for us. It could be very useful yep. to authorities yeah, so in preventing this. Yeah. In preventing future uh, consequences such as this. Double dose now. You wanna call the police on him for having a barbecue on a in- Sunday. You feel free. So Back off I'm there's an African American man
3: threatening my life. Put yours and your trash. Okay. Okay. All right. Keep talking. I will. Okay. for <laughs> you questions? What you going to do? I, I tell you what, you know. Have- I'm a stupid everybody. Yeah, I'm a stupid she is <laughs> <laughs> He hit my plate. I'm a stupid. <laughs> <laughs> fix your car. You
0: stop honking at people when you don't need to. Sometimes people can talk things out, and sometimes they can't. They can't. It's not going to work out. They need a mediator, if you will. This male Karen Bigot calling a black woman hateful slurs. According to users online, this happened in Houston. The man, I thought I saw that on his shirt, but I thought maybe imposter. But this man is a former police officer. Still looks like he's dressed the part motorcycle cop. I don't know. But the hard beanie leads me in that direction. The right thing to do when you encounter a mental. Ben, who is going to tell it like it is, camera rolling or not, they want you to know how they feel about them. Do you stand there and roll the footage? His doc has advised us that in the past. Go ahead and collect that evidence. Do you counter it or do you just stand there? Do you walk away or is it whatever you can handle, Ben?
1: I apologize in advance for this pun, but hard beanie, bigoted meanie. And I think. (laughs) That really sums it up. I think filming it is great and it would be better to not reply angrily, but you also are a human being and you're gonna be riled up by hate being spewed at you even if it's by an insane man who is cosplaying at his former job. You can't be wearing a badge of a job you're no longer doing when it's a law enforcement job and they clearly took his badge away so he has a shirt with a badge emblazoned on it and an American flag and embla- like uh uh knitted onto his shoulder it's it's not a good look and he came ready to fight cuz while he's at the coffee machine he's got a war helmet on ready to spew some hatred towards people and uh i imagine only that this man probably got into his car and then drove through a parade. And so Mm. you want to try to keep yourself under control. You want to try to not hate other groups based on absurd stereotypes and absurd racial epithets from a time gone by. You want to try to evolve yourself and realize all people are the same, and we should only be uniting against the hateful people who are trying to bring harm towards us. If that's a difficult concept for you to understand, well, then Godspeed. Finish filling up that Slurpee. Put that helmet back on and bike off into the sunset. You know.
0: Well, I like your keen eye. It, it appears as you know you you took it all in and kind of summed this guy up quickly. I will tell you, I noticed two things myself. That big fat holster that real police officers have issued to them, and it usually holds several <laughs> weapons, if you will, used on the citizenry, uh, mace or. Sun gun and then the, he doesn't have that. So it's just his belt. And he is drinking a, well, a monster big ball. And I, I believe that it's a caffeinated beverage. And I think that he is to be held accountable for his conduct. But I think all that caffeine that's beyond 32 ounces. It's got to be. Is played a part in this. This it's is a strong indis- point. It, it's a strong point. I, just want,
1: I just want to, before you throw it to Smush. break. Just, I want to remind everybody: go decaf when you're already riled up. You're throwing the racial epithets Smush. early. It's time to switch to decaf for that day. And I've always been against limits on the size of sodas that have been tried mm-hmm. to p- pass in different cities. But now it's it's making an argument. Yeah, yeah. It's too much.
0: This is indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed. Too casual, huh? I just started leaning back. I was so casual with it. But that's the kind of day we're having, okay? Maybe we'll both do it. This is Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Ben Glebe is our special co-host today.
1: We're right back. Stick and stay.
2: Welcome back to Indisputable.
0: I'm Sharon Reedin in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Ben Glebe is our special guest host today. More comments. We'll get you a couple of them. TYT member Purple Rain Dragon says about the male Karen driving through that parade route. As Ben says, boat with your feet, not your vehicle, folks. You don't have to like a parade. This idiot recorded and released this video of himself. He needs Jesus and therapy. Mo Fury says, I wish they had a breathalyzer for angry assness. Would any of us be able to get behind the wheel again? If you blow over a 0.8 on the I'm about to put a boot up somebody's ass a meter then your car won't start. I think that's a wonderful invention. Sell direct to bypass the big box store. Sell direct late at night. It'll catch on. And about the male Karen Bigot calling the Black woman hateful slurs, Russell says, Texas. How surprising. Wow, well, there's that. Last one, Mo Fury. That's a bicycle helmet, not a motorcycle helmet. I think he is living vicariously through his coffee. It could be. What do I know? What did you say about that hard hat, Ben?
1: That uh, he, I don't remember what I said, to be honest. I but said hard, Stupid
0: beanie, and I believe oh. you said. Um, hmm,
1: bigoted, bigot- meanie. Bigoted,
0: bigoted, meanie. All right, yep. indicative. There it is, we'll move on. Oklahoma bus driver arrested for holding kids hostage. Really? Most bus drivers want to get the kids off the vehicle. Oklahoma bus driver arrested for holding children hostage while en route. Watch.
2: No, you're not going to get home in 10 minutes. I don't care. You think
3: you can get away with stuff? I run my bus a certain way. I don't care what the other bus drivers do. You obey me.
2: Can I get off sir? No. You just us, okay, get off. No. Be quiet. Sit uh, down. Sit down. No. Sit down. no. Sit down. Sit down. I don't care. Sit down.
3: I don't care if your mom's there. Makes no difference to me. You're not going with your mom.
2: Sit down. I don't care. Sit down. Hey, let me off. Hey, let me off. Sit down. Let me off. Sit down. No. 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 Sit down. No. All of you, sit down. You're not getting off the bus. Sit down. No. I've been here for like forty minutes. I don't, don't, care. I don't care. I don't care. Sit down. I'm not budging. Sit down. They are not listening. I Go go go! Get hey, quick you grab it! You, you better quit out. Out. Hey, quick hey. grab it. I will. I will tie your ass in. you understand me? I don't care. You better. Right. What's your name, sir? I'm not telling you. You need to tell me because I'm about to get your butt there. Get out of here. Can see that I don't care what parents do if they smack the bus. I don't care. I don't care if they get violent and break windows. It makes no difference to me. I got somebody coming right now. Okay? That's the way it is. And I will win. I will win everything. Quiet. 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 His bus It's
0: going to do things. His way, and he doesn't care whose mother is watching, apparently. Thomas Young, 68-year-old, was charged for holding students on the bus while driving them home. Young was taking students from Broken Arrow Public Schools home, but he was running behind. In a surveillance video obtained by multiple news outlets, including Fox 23, the driver, identified as Young, can reportedly be heard giving a warning to the middle school students. Quiet, everybody be quiet. The driver can be heard saying in the clip, I'm not moving until I don't hear any speaking. People magazine with the quotes, body of the story. He then allegedly stops the bus for around nine minutes. And during that time, kids can be heard screaming and crying for help. One point, Young can reportedly be seen putting his arm out to stop a student from exiting the bus. Banging sounds can also be heard. In the footage, you think you can get away with stuff, Young said, per USA Today. I run my bus a certain way. I don't care what the other bus drivers do. You obey me. After the students began leaving the bus through emergency exits, Young drove to a nearby parking lot where more students escaped, and he was confronted by police. Mm. Okay, Broken Arrow Public. School spokesperson Tara Thompson told Fox 23 it was Young's second day taking that bus route. He arrived 30 minutes late to pick up the students. Thompson said the alleged incident was unexpected. Thompson has since confirmed to all three news outlets that Young, who held his position for about a year, has been fired from the district. Police told KJRH that the charges against Young will be forwarded to the Tulsa County District Attorney's Office. It's unclear if Young has entered a plea or retained an attorney to speak on his behalf. I'm going to go to you pretty early on this one, Ben, but I want to say this first. There are bus drivers and then there are bus drivers of middle school students. And that's a special skill set. Second day on the route, I don't know who Mr. Young was driving previously. It's not excusing any actions like this. You're holding someone hostage. Well, you're going to get charged. Indeed, Mr. Young got charged. But these, men, these are middle school students. They'll likely testify against him if this goes to trial. Perhaps it should. There's no deal worked out. Do you remember being a middle school student? He underestimated them, no?
1: Oh, that's a fact. I mean, this guy seems like pretty standard issue bus driver, but from like many decades ago. I thought we did away with this kind of bus driver. He (laughs) believes that in his zone he must be obeyed using the language of a god or a religious leader rather than a man driving a bus. And it's an important service you provide driving a bus. But one of the key tenants is not holding the kids hostage. I should add a question now, I guess, to the test to become a bus driver. Could you ever see yourself holding the kids hostage? Could you see yourself keeping the kids on the bus, and also as a unrelated yet related note, maybe you don't name your middle school Broken Arrow Middle School. It just sounds like a depressing name for a school. It sounds more like a recovery home or some sort of a even even. It's not even positive enough to be the name of a recovery home. Broken Arrow wow. sounds like a halfway home on the way into a rehab. It's like you're about to be in rehab soon, but we're going to give you a quick stay at Broken Arrow to ease the transition into rehab. So the whole thing has got a. Very uh, negative vibe to it, and uh, yeah. If I were a bus driver, I promise you one thing: I would not keep kids hostage in nearly any occasion. Probably no occasion. Yeah.
0: No, and it starts with one thing that every bus driver has to understand in twenty twenty three: middle school students give zero Fs, if you will, and so you're not going to hold them and get them to obey anything except for the latest TikTok trend. Principal allegedly called players bigoted slurs. Philip Coons, high school principal, who was inducted into the Oklahoma Coaches Association Hall of Fame in 2022, now facing a year in jail after being charged with outraging public decency. Ooh. Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation says Ringling, high school principal, head football coach Coons, created a cult-like environment that espoused toxic masculinity, homophobia, racism, and other forms of social and physical, well, abuse. His students and their parents' complaints helped launch the investigation after Coons' contract ended in February 2023. Oklahoma State Department of Education placed the coach on a four-month administrative leave on February 22nd, nine days after the local school board voted to renew Coons' contract during a contentious public meeting. This from news station KFOR, with the reporting Atlanta Black Star filling in other details. These boys were subjected to a cult-like environment where this guy would groom them, break them down to where they were at a point that they wanted to quit playing football. Some of them wanting to commit suicide, and then would build them back up within the cult system and create a deal where he was the most important thing in their lives. Todd Mercer, a lawyer that represents one of the players said in an interview with the Daily Beast, he would isolate them from their friends, from their family, even from their doctors, the attorney said before adding that black players on his team were especially disrespected. Ringling, a town of approximately 1,600 people in southern Oklahoma, is less than 1% African American. The census data shows. Now, according to Mercer, Coons called his players of African descent the N word, P M. Think I'm understanding, and stupid African. One student said that he called a teammate a J word, and that those racist slurs even impacted him. This hurt considering you could clearly see the player getting upset, the player said in a statement. The player also came up to me and expressed how he felt targeted and singled out by his skin color. As the school's top administrator, Coons worked alongside his family members as he created this alleged social climate of disturbing abuse. His wife is a school counselor and his sons, Cooper and Sterling, are the assistant football coaches. Another lawyer working with the OBI on behalf of some of the student athletes. Who played under Coons is Cameron Sprawdy, who insists this was intentional. They created this culture of abuse and harassment, intimidation of their players for years, Spraldine said. Assault and physical abuse, mental torture were just part of their unofficial curriculum in the athletic department. It is an environment that is like Lord of the Flies. The students shared their firsthand experiences with lawyers saying Coons also used fat shaming as a tool to demean the minors, calling them fat Fs, publicly blasting them by saying, lay off the Twinkies. The official did not stop at targeting people because of their race and size, but also mocked people with different mental disabilities or who live with autism and gays, and often using anti-same gender loving terms to demean opposing teens. No group of society was immune from attacks, Mercer said. He would attack and insult women, all races. And as a result of these and many more offenses, one student said, I've been struggling to cope. I have been dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts due to Phil Coons, Sterling Coons, and Cooper Coons, the player continued. I would dread going into practice every day because of how they treated me and the rest of the team. According to the student, Coons said he was turning the players into men. And his style was going to make them leaders in the future. The young person likened his experience on the team to being brainwashed and conditioned to be like them, adding that the coach also encouraged the students not to confide in their parents. I wouldn't wish this kind of treatment on any kids, the team said. Sprawling asserts that the school's failure to initiate a criminal investigation despite evidence of prior misconduct in 2016 underscores their emphasis on winning football over student safety. An example that should have shut him down before getting hired was in 2016. Oklahoma City Public Affairs notes that while at another school, he exposed himself to the team and told them they have to have a D in order to play football. Ringling Public Schools has not publicly responded to Coombs. Charges. Now, I've never laced them up, put on the pads, and played one down in football. Been a sideline reporter though, NFL, college level, NBA. I don't know if, Ben, the men who laced them up, put on the pads and were ready to hit, catch, whatever, tackle, Went through something like this to make it to the league? Because it sounds like BS to me. He sounds like a whack job. What say you?
1: Well, I did play high school football, Ooh. two years varsity. If those of you wondering, I was terrible. But I did my best. Oh. And uh, high school football coaches are known to be pretty intense. They're known to... to. uh be real rough and tough and the article was abhorrent and i didn't relate to it however because this is such next level when you go specific to groups until it mentioned the part about anti-gay and reminded me that i think i had a coach at one point that did use one of those it was a different time and that was just sort of i guess something people would say to call a football player not manly or something it didn't happen a lot um and This coach is a real D himself. You don't need a D to play football, but you do need a D. Or you need to be a D to be a football coach oftentimes. That doesn't give you license to take it to the next level where you make it racial. Where you make it about groups of people, where you make your students cry, where you break them down. It's not a cult. You're not a cult leader. You don't need to build an army bringing in towards football. It's important to try and win the games but you know, not at the expense of the mental health, safety, and security of your students, your players, not at the expense of them feeling like you white coach is racist against your black players or about any group of players that uh, don't fit in there. Maybe I don't get the true football ethos. I was the goofy guy on the football team. We had orange helmets, and on Halloween, I came out to practice with jack-o'-lanterns drawn on my helmet. And the coach said, you take that off your helmet right now or the whole team has to run. I'm like, coach, I expected you to say that. That's why I brought a wet paper towel so I could erase it right now. (laughs) And he still made me run, but only me. So that kind of thing. I might not be the best authority on this subject, but uh, I have a feeling you don't want to take it where he went with it.
0: No, you don't. And there's this group thing about football that I've been curious about for a long time. Okay. Everyone's wearing a helmet. You almost can't distinguish the players. Both teams played hard any given Sunday. And it all just seems to be this cesspool of, at all costs, we must remain a unit. I would love to see Layla Ali on Mr. Kuhn's team and see what would fly with her. For some reason, as I was going through the story, I thought, if only Layla Ali. To be on that team for just about a week. That's all it would take. She'd handle all three tunes, men. This is Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed. Much more to come. Dr. Richie has the day off. We're right back. Welcome back to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie Today, Ben Gleeb is our extraordinary guest co host, a really funny guy, Rebel HQ, extraordinaire. Uh, I feel we've been educated as well by you today, Ben, in a number of ways. Um, so I really enjoyed it, very much enjoyed it. Um, here we are. Black patron asked to leave Black Power NAP exhibit. follow it continues for New York's Moa Museum, Museum of Modern Art, after removing a Black visitor from an exhibit in March. Well, they issued apology, the museum did, after security asked Heather British Ghanaian artist to leave an exhibition titled Black Power Naps. Artists Navild Acosta and Fanny Sosa created the space specifically to create a space for black people to rest. That's the heart of this. Agi posted this video to social media right after explaining what happened. Watch, I will not believe what just happened. I was at MoMA, I was at Black Power Naps installation and I just got kicked out. Me and another black guy got kicked out because a a white lady came in and was laughing. And we said, "Um, I think the space is kind of centered around black people. She started shouting, saying, we were aggressive. She's no, she's I was aggressive. You lot know me. I'm chill. She said, I was aggressive. I should be
5: kicked out. She works for the UN and she's gonna um, complain. So I got kicked out of an exhibition, an installation centered around black people and rest.
0: Yeah, this woman's called aggressive. I'll speak candidly about that in a moment. But in their apology statement, let's go there now. The MoMA said, quote, we've reached out to Heather Ijupong. We've apologized. We are committed to presenting programs that move race, equity, values forward. We acknowledge there will be challenges to work through and learn from as we support and invite artists and audiences to engage on these important issues. This is from the art newspaper. When it opened, Black Power Naps was met with wide acclaim. Now, Acosta and Sosa say they found it challenging to find new venues for the installation following an unexpected cancellation by the city of Toronto last month. The pair is worried. MoMA's actions are making institutions hesitant, you think? Spokesperson for City of Toronto Culture told Hyperallergenic that the city of Toronto worked with the artists from Black Power Naps to bring the project to Toronto, that negotiations were unsuccessful. For the 2023 event, for a variety of logistical and financial reasons, and that the city looks forward to the opportunity to work with the artist again. Now, Acosta says they weren't aware of any logistical and financial reasons for the cancellation. The sudden change meant the artists were left with just a few days to retrieve all of the materials from Jersey City. Acosta hurriedly coordinated with artist Robin Markle to truck the materials to a building in South Philadelphia, where they are now being stored. The artists have launched a GoFundMe drive to raise $10,000 in the face of what they describe as a financial crisis with the mounting bill of storage fees. So, Ben, I think it's pretty clear what happened here. We don't have to say, you know, he said, she said uh, because the Museum of Art has apologized. But just in case, I can tell you, based on just the video of a-jupong, stating what happened to her, I know she's telling the truth, 100%. telling the truth, A, I'm a black woman, B, she has that accent that means she's telling the truth, okay? Anyone with that accent has to start with a presumption that they're telling the truth. You unpack the rest of the story.
1: I completely agree with you <laughs> on this one, Sharon. <laughs> Um, and yeah. you can tell I'm being genuine mm-hmm. on account of this fake accent I'm doing. Um, no, she, of course, she, it, it, the facts aren't even in dispute, but it's just couldn't be a more perfect example of why you need art to challenge society and point out our biases oftentimes. Because exactly what the exhibit was meant for, an exhibit to show the that black people generally aren't able to even make the time for adequate rest with all the extra worries that they have on their plates and the extra obligations they have on their plates. And for a white woman to come in laughing and for the black woman in the space trying to appreciate the art and take a rest as the art intended to be the one kicked out. It's just a great microcosm for how messed up everything is and uh, makes me want to take a nap.
0: Me too, yeah. And you I'll end it best. When you can't even have this beautiful, modern, black art installation without a Karen showing up, there's a problem. There's a problem, okay? I think that they're everywhere. And now their tentacles have entered the art world. And I don't know how to get them out of there. I don't. It's unfortunate. I hope that this installation so that all can have a black power nap. We'll see another day. Remind us of this special. Is it a Halloween special or nap?
1: It's It's not even a special. It's just a live show that you can see worldwide. People like to think it's a special because it's not in person only in one location. But don't expect too much. It's just a fun (laughs) hang. It's an improvised comedy show. My specials are a lot more deliberately written and performed and you can see that my special The Mad King on Link and bio on my Instagram at Ben Glebe. But this is just October 29, a fun improvised Halloween interactive show. You can ask questions, you come in costume, there's a costume contest and there's a VIP hang after the show. If you get a VIP ticket, you kick it with me and have a little more bit more of a serious talk. You can get tickets at benglebe.com or nowherecomedy.com. That's the only places if you want to get tickets elsewhere. You can't do it. I'm so sorry.
0: And get them while you can, folks, because it's sure to be a good time. We appreciate you. I adore you. And this was an important conversation we had today. And uh, I love your passion. I love your um, history lesson. And I hope we'll be able to have more of these conversations as we see where the world takes us. This is Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.